This is Jeff Chrisman, and I'm here today talking with Kyle Golding of the Golding Group. Uh, Kyle, thanks so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. What I thought we would do is maybe hear a little bit about uh, the Golding Group, first of all, and how you guys got started and, and, and what you do, and then we'll kind of go from there. Fantastic. So the Golding Group is a think tank of marketing, communication, and business development experts. Uh, we specialize in strategic planning, business process development, and communication integration. Uh, we started in November 2011 here in Oklahoma City, and then mid-2013, uh, we added a second office in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and so two of our partners, Felicity Mormon and Sean Hawley, are out there full-time now uh, in Philadelphia, and myself and Pritch Pritchard, uh, who's also a professor of PR at OU, are here in uh, holding down the Midwest. Very good, very good. And then as far as uh, at the location where we're at here, what's referred to as Project 3810, and I thought if we could maybe hear a little bit, a little bit from you as, as far as what's going on with that. Certainly. So it's a great, interesting collaboration space. Uh, there's small offices, large offices, a co-working space, and also a 45,000-square-foot warehouse. Uh, so it's a startup. Uh, it's not a, an official incubator, but it's an incubator-type place where a lot of startups and small businesses come and then having access to the warehouse space, loading dock, etc. It's a little bit different than your typical co-working space or uh, kind of startup hub, if you will. Uh, we've been here since November of last year. Uh, before that, we spent the last four years at 1219 Creative at 12th and Classen, uh, which is a project was a collaboration between us and Rick and Tracy Bewley at Art Fusion Studio. They're on Western, the, the back door of their studio backed up to the back door of 1219 Creative Space. And uh, in that place, we, in, in 1219 Creative, we had uh, offices and co-working, but we also had an art gallery and a community conference room and some other kind of community spaces as well. Uh, we had a public art mural on the side of the building. If you've ever driven down class and you've probably seen the big 125-foot uh, mural that Yataka Fields did out of oh, Stillwater. Yeah. And uh, that was a great, awesome creative space to work in. It was uh, very industrial and it attracted creative professionals, uh, graphic designers, photographers, uh, consultants, etc., business coaches. Uh, we had a great time there doing shows in the gallery on the second Friday of every month until uh, the end of last year when someone purchased the entire building and forced us to look elsewhere. So now we're collaborating with the good folks here at Project 3810. Uh, it's this interesting uh, industrial building over here in this industrial area of town, somewhere between Oklahoma City and, and Bethany. <laughs> I'm not sure where one ends and one's, one begins. And uh, it's this old building. It used to be the headquarters of Little Giant Pump Company back way back in the day in the 50s and 60s, I think through the 80s. Uh, it's been added to a few times, and it's got some interesting character. And uh, they're now trying to utilize the space, uh, like I said, for small business uh, as an incubator type space, which is a lot of the services we offer as well. And uh, it, it's a perfect fit for us because we're around uh, other entrepreneurs and small businesses and people who are trying to um, create something. Uh, and it's uh, always different and interesting people coming and going. The, having a designated co work space is nice because you get to meet people once or a hundred times over and and at the end of the day everyone uh there are completely different types of businesses but we're all in the same boat which is we're trying to make it so just trying to help each other and learn from each other and uh not be just uh in a in a cubicle in a high rise somewhere we're all kind of the personality that that's not quite our style so something a little bit more interesting yeah i like that and then as i know that the uh the co-working 
as far as the uh, that becoming a trend, yeah. seems like we're seeing a lot more of, of those types of facilities opening up. Absolutely, uh, like I said, we started co-working at Twelve Nineteen Creative four years ago, five years ago now, essentially. Uh, but you know, it's it's been around for a while, but it's really kind of starting to blossom in Oklahoma City for sure. Uh, as the, the as business changes um, these days, you know, uh, because of the internet and social media and technology, mobile technology, etc., um, things that you couldn't do five and ten years ago as far as starting a business, doing video production, audio production, you know, a show like this, you know, ten years ago would have taken. 200 pounds of equipment and a special room and all kinds of work. It would have taken us an hour to set up this show 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> and now, you know, we're five minutes in. We're just we're, we're rolling down the, the, the street here. So um, all of these things means business are being run differently and they're being started differently and new opportunities are happening. And so co-working uh, and collaboration and, and things like this where you can really kind of st- – dip your toe into the business world, if you will, whether it's a side hustle or just investing a little bit of money into trying to start a company, see if it'll work or not. Um, Minimal uh, restrictions, low uh, uh, responsibilities. You know, co-working allows you to kind of go in without having to sign a big five-year lease and put a financial liability on yourself and things like that when you're trying to start something you don't know if it's going to work or not. Uh, Those options are allowing people who used to would say, well, I had an idea, but I never followed it up. It was too expensive. It was too hard. Um, the idea of co-working and, and short-term and, and sharing space, uh, those creative collaborations make it possible for someone to go from I had an idea to I'm going to execute on my idea. Um, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And, you know, essentially, you know, the next Facebook will be something that probably started in a co-working space. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 and I find that it's, uh, you know, in some cases people are finding that it's uh, – I guess when you look at the traditional office setup where you're having to commit for a period of time. And, and I'm also wondering, the, one of the things that really uh, speaks to me or that is interesting to me as someone who's worked out of their house for the past 20 years is the opportunity to, I guess I had to ask you a little bit about the opportunity or the benefits of having contact with other people Absolutely. As, you're, as you're collaborating with others. Very much so. So being just around other people gives you that great energy. Um, for me, because uh, I worked out of my house for a while when we started the Golden Group, we, we were all working out of our houses while we figured it out. Um, but routine, I had to make sure I, I got up every day, I got dressed, you know, I was sitting down at my chair at, at a specific time like I would if I was going into an office that helped me get disciplined from working from home. Uh, there were a few times where it was f- not f- feeling a little under the weather where I, I didn't get dressed that day and my wife would come home from her job and be like, are you kidding me? She thought I had not, I've been working all day. I just, you know, was being very comfortable about it. But um, for sure, being around other people and having that energy and then at the shared experience of entrepreneurship, uh, the trials and tribulations. Like I said earlier, we all have different businesses, but we all have the same trials and tribulations. We all have the same things we're up against. You know, we're trying to attract people to us and uh, get people to pay us for our product or service. We're trying to make profit. We're trying to figure out how to expand. We're trying to figure out what the next year and the next two and the next five years look like and how we can go from our little uh, business to a medium-sized business to a large business to you know, a big successful business. We're all in that same boat, whether you know we're, we're making beef jerky or we're consultants or we produce videos. We're all in that same, on that same journey. And so being able to talk to someone who says, you know, I was in your shoes two years ago and that same thing happened to me and here's some advice someone gave me, I'm going to pass it on to you, uh, is so invaluable, you, you know, and you can't read it in a book and, you, you know, there's, that's just something you can't get 
um, even on social media, you have to kind of be in a, in a room with people or see people every day and say, I, I see what you're having to go through. I see how much hustle you have to put into it. It reminds me I have to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. And as far as I was curious if there are any uh, form, more formal opportunities, I realize there's the, you know, just kind of bumping into people and, you know, being in the same right. proximity as other people. I didn't know as far as if there's any any programs or, or things coming up in the future in terms of training opportunities or development opportunities, you know, for folks who are here. So we're working with, um, we had our grand opening ribbon cutting for the building uh, earlier this month with the Northwest Chamber, uh, Northwest OKC Chamber, and we started a three-part series with them called Marketing Mondays, uh, something I'm doing with the folks at Sandler Training and, and the folks at Northwest Oklahoma City Chamber. So the second Monday of each month, starting with March, April, and May, we're doing a marketing and sales uh, training lunch hmm. um, that's going to be in our in our big event space here, and we're inviting the members of the chamber and non-members as well. Uh, to come in, and so the second Monday of each month for the next couple of months, we're doing a, a marketing and sales class, just trying to, again, answer questions and help people with those aspects of business. I think um, those that's going to lead to other types of opportunities like that as well. Uh, I was just talking with the other, the other folks in charge here just this afternoon about ways we can do more things that create collaboration between everyone in the building and attract people from the outside in uh, to meet us, to see the space, and to, to know that these opportunities are available for them in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And then as I was also reading about, I, I can't remember if I'm calling it the correct name, the Content Creation Factory. Yes. I thought maybe I would get a little bit of information and kind of talk about that a little bit as far as how you, know, how you can help clients. Uh, you know, being able to create their own custom content. So the content collaboration, that, that's our hashtag we came up with for the content factory. <laughs> the hashtag we came up with for our podcast and video production studio for the Golden Group, uh, which is where we're, si- we're sitting here right now. Uh, we have a designated space in our office uh, that we have set up with um, audio recorders, video uh, whether it's one camera, two camera, we were shooting with five cameras this morning hmm. um, in a very small space. Uh, but... Uh, Creating podcast and short form video are two things that um, the Golden Group is definitely is pushing all of our clients and anyone who's listening to this right now. 2018, you need to be producing podcast and short form video, small, easy to consume, passive audio consumption information about the expertise or what it is your business does, the problems you solve, how how people connect with you, etc. Um, it's not enough to put an ad in the newspaper or run a TV commercial, run your Facebook ads, that's fine and, and good. But people want to know more and they want to know more on their timetable. They want to know, they want to listen to a podcast when they're on the treadmill at the gym or when they're in the car in between sales calls. Uh, and they don't want to sit down and read a white paper. That's boring. They don't want to watch an hour-long video or some kind of corporate video where the guy's in a suit and tie speaking to you and all this technical jargon. Like, what is that all about? People, people want to um, they want to understand what your business is, what it offer, what you're offering, and how you're going to help them solve their problems. Uh, you know, reduce their pain in the world, if you will. And um, they want to consume it the way they want to consume it. And it's not how I want to consume it; it's how they want to consume it. So, being able to uh, take a small space like this, take, uh, take advantage of, of the technology that we have afforded us today, and distribution channels that we have online, digital channels. Uh, to be able to, to sit down with a CEO or a sales team or a marketing director and have conversations, talk about what a company does, what the benefits are, why people should be interested, um, and create a series of informational talks 
that again could be delivered in a multitude of ways on multiple platforms so people can find the one that works for them and for their lifestyle hmm. um, in in this in the smallest footprint of time and effort for the for the, our clients because we want to be efficient for them as possible um, so being able to shoot video record audio produce podcast and video and and snippets for social media etc all in one sitting you know if i get to see if i get to have a conversation with the ceo i can't waste his time or her time i have to I have to be very direct and get as much good bang for the buck out of it as possible so we've set up this space to be able to bring in uh effective speakers decision makers ceos uh influencers etc who can come in and communicate quickly and concisely about a variety of topics or, or companies or services or things that people would be interested in that are interested in business, entrepreneurship, uh, et cetera, and then be able to very concisely package those things up and distribute them in, in a multitude of ways uh, so that that content aggregation get the most value for that time of that, that individual, that high value individual. And then the people consuming it, hopefully they get something from it too. They learn something. Uh, if they want to know more, they'll, they'll watch the next video. They'll download the next episode of the podcast, etc., and, uh, follow down that rabbit hole. And hmm. if it's a topic they're not interested in, they could skip it and go on to the next one. Yeah. And I was wondering too, is this, to make sure I understand, is this something that a business in, in a best case scenario or would it be most effective for them to continue to do this on an ongoing basis? Absolutely. Oh. Um, d- depending on, obviously on their situation and, and how their, their sales cycle and all these other things too, but consistency is the key. Hmm. Um, you know, our attention spans these days are really small. We get bombarded <laughs> by thousands of bits of information every day, right? So it's not very likely someone's going to listen to a podcast one time and understand what your business is or who you know who you are. Someone's going to listen to this today and they're going to get tidbits of it. They're not going to get everything we talk about today. And at some point in the conversation, someone's going to go, do you know someone who does this? They're going to go, I think I do. And they vaguely remember, and hopefully they can come up with enough of a, of a name or a link or something that they can come back. And then, of course, they're going to go to the website, to the social media feeds, etc., and it's all going to start to trigger back. But all of that information has to be consistently delivered over and over again hmm. for, before finally someone says, you know what, I know who does that, and they're really good, and a lot of people say they're good, and, and I think you should check them out for that type of a business or service. That's that's what it takes in marketing these days. You know, it's it's not so you know you can't put one billboard up and and sell a million units. Uh, so, creating consistent ways to deliver the information about what you do and why it's important and, and who you're trying to connect with over and over and over again is the key. You can't do it one time. You know, we can't make one podcast a year and expect people to be a big fan of the show. Oh yeah, we're <laughs> <laughs> not going to wait another year for it. You know, whether it's. Weekly or monthly or quarterly, et cetera, whatever, whatever works for every scenario is just consistency. So if it's going to be weekly, it better be every week. Oh, yeah. You know, don't be one, one week, one week, we skip three and come back for one. And, hmm. you know, it makes it harder to build your audience that way. And the harder it is to build your audience means the more it costs you in the long run. Oh, yeah. And I was wondering, too, as far as the uh, just the medium itself, I wonder if being able to, for potential clients, you know, of a company to be able to connect, I wonder if there's something, you know, if, if it is powerful or beneficial for people to be able to, you know, hear a, an expert talking or hear a CEO of a company sharing their story. I'm wondering if connecting on a human level absolutely is something that, you know, that is an opportunity that maybe CEOs wouldn't normally have. People you know. want to do, people do business with people, not with other businesses. Uh, whether you know someone who owns the business, works in the business, or you can make a connection of some sort. And today, even more so. And the younger someone is, even more so as well. Hmm. Um, 
you know, the, the big challenge, right, is how to market to millennials, right? Well, you market to millennials by speaking directly to them without sales talk, just having conversations, and being authentic. Hmm. Uh, so if the CEO of, of a skateboard company is a 75-year-old guy who's never been on a skateboard uh, and he's trying to sell skateboards to millennials, he's going to fail <laughs> because it's inauthentic and he's not going to talk to talk, walk to walk, and that audience in particular, is not gonna, they're not going to connect to it. But if the top five riders in the world uh, uh, of that particular skateboard are having conversations about what they like about it and what they're doing. And again, not a sales pitch, you mm. know, Hey, go to your local shop and ask for this. It's only nine ninety five. It can't be that, but here's why I choose to work with this company as opposed to this company. And you know, whether it's athletes uh, or entertainers or entrepreneurs, you know, uh, anyone who can convey information in a way that is not a sales pitch, but is conversational and informational with um, the idea that if it sounds appealing, if you connect to a personality, if you connect to what they're saying, their backstory, whatever it is that makes each individual say, I want to know more about that, that's the key. Once they want to know more about it, uh, if, they, if what they find is what they're hoping to find, then you can become a business relationship. If they find out that you were faking it, and that you are you weren't being authentic with them, and that you were just trying to trick them for a sale, they'll find that out as well. So, um, at the end of the day, I, I find out, one of the great things about working with small businesses, uh, or working with the founder of a business, the person who started the business, is it's almost never. And I say almost, you know, but occasionally it's almost never. I started this business to get rich, right? Hmm. It's I started this business because I had a passion for this type of work. Or I thought I could do it better than the people I was working for. Or, uh, you know, I had the better mousetrap, whatever it was. But uh, at the end of the day, people don't start and run small businesses because they want to get rich. And uh, because there's a, it's a life of luxury. It's a lot of work. And so they have to have some sort of passion for it. Or it's going to fail. And if you've got a business that's succeeding and you have passion for what you do, and you have a genuine interest in it, and you're really trying to be really good at it and make connections with people and do things in the right way, um, talking, like you and I are talking, oh, yeah. will come through. People will understand what it is you're all about. If you can't carry on a conversation about your business and why it's important to you and how it serves the audience, then it's pretty obvious you're just in it for the money. People will figure that out, too. It's very. It's it's almost you know, in a way. It kind of feels like you know people have become so much more savvy, and the and I guess I guess what you call old school sales tactics, tactics just don't seem to to really or just don't seem to reach people anymore. Or they just don't seem to be as effective. You know why there's so many jokes about used car salesmen? Because <laughs> <laughs> no one really appreciates that. No one actually likes to be sold anything. Yeah, we all we all have things we need to buy, but no one wants to be strong armed into. Take this now at the deal that only makes sense for the person selling it to you. Right. And, and if it doesn't work for you, tough luck. Deal with it and hope it, hope it works out. Oh, yeah. No one appreciates that. You know, we all want to go into, you know, I want to show up somewhere. I want to talk to the, per- the people working there. I want to ask them if this is right for me. I, w- I only want to spend as much money as I need to. I don't need to spend any more than possible. But if you're honest about what I need, I don't mind that you're making a profit off of me. You have to make a profit to be in business. But I don't want to. I don't want you to make a thousand times profit on me because that means I've overpaid, right? Well, if you feel like you know you got the used car salesman treatment and someone twisted your arm to to make a sale, you feel like you got taken advantage of, and you probably aren't going back. Oh yeah. Um, so creating real relationships in the the marketing and then sales transaction process 
creates repeat customers, creates business relationships, referrals, etc. No one ever said, hey, I went and bought a car and these guys ripped me off. You should go there too. (laughs) Or, you know, I went to a restaurant and it had a terrible experience. You should go there. Oh, yeah. No one ever says that. (laughs) So the way to get someone to refer their friends, family, etc. to your business is to treat them in a great way. Oh, yeah. And I've kind of noticed that, uh, I guess the the term back in the 90s, I remember the industry that I've worked in for years, they referred to it as knowledge assets. And there was this, you know, this phrase, or that was kind of a catchphrase. And the idea was, is that, you know, at that time, and I'm thinking that probably, you know, back in the 90s was was very er in the early stages as far as the information age. Right. And I remember that most, you know, getting companies to see the benefit of that, being able to share, you know, what knowledge assets they had, not give away the the store, but just figure out a way to actually, and that, I think that's even before they were using the phrase or the word content. Sure. And now I'm noticing that there's all these opportunities for companies to, you know, go to market in a different way and share, you know, the knowledge assets that they have. But I'm wondering, it seems like, I don't know if it's just me, but as far as with podcasting, do you think in terms of the business community, is that still a pretty, uh, you know, pretty new technology? I just, I was, I was curious if a lot of businesses are you know, really understanding how to use podcasting. I think effective way. how to use is definitely the question. I think that the technology part has never been that scary to business. I think the the what happens once I record it is the question. You know, uh, if you if you re- put an audio file on the shelf, what happens? Nothing. Oh yeah. So how to mix it into your to your marketing, which is what I was talking about earlier about aggregating the same content in a variety of ways across platforms. Um, the the confusing thing to people who are not engaged with podcast is they're like. Well, that's not exciting. Like, a video seems exciting. Photography seems exciting. You know, flashy websites that, that have uh, lights and movement to it seems exciting. That seems more interesting. Uh, but, uh, like, what do I do with audio? It's, it's just boring. There's nothing to even see, right? But, again, it goes back to it's not about uh, what, you, what you're trying to make your audience do. It's what your audience likes and wants. And we're all multitasking on a regular basis. And so we're consuming data in different ways, consuming content in different ways. And now we're even uh, using our computers in different ways because we're talking to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, voice commands has changed that as well, too. So you're uh, cooking dinner or you're driving the car and you're telling you know, your computer, your smartphone, like said, you're speaking voice commands, play this for me, give me this information, let me know this, play a podcast about entrepreneurship. And you expect your smart device to do that work for you. Uh, that's what people are expecting as far as how content shows up for them now. Um, and it's just all part of the process. I'm not saying, you know, replace your mass marketing with podcast, hmm. but you should be supplementing it and you should be adding to it. And um, it's so much easier to produce and package and deal with and, and distribute than, you know, the, like I said earlier, the 10 years ago where we needed a hundreds of pounds of equipment to produce video and audio, et cetera. So um, it's easy to produce, it's easy to use, it's easy to store, it's easy to use multiple times over and over again if you come into it with a strategy of using it to support your other types of marketing and communication. Oh, okay. If you walk into it with, we're going to produce a podcast and it's going to do all the work. Just like any other piece of marketing, it's not going to do all of the work for you. Right. It's going to do a, a section of the work and you have to have all of the other pieces around it. Um, so unless you're doing something that is wholly digital and only voice activated, then the, then podcast isn't going to do the work for you. Hmm. Uh, but if someone is uh, 
flipping through a dial or looking up things on keywords or c- come across your Twitter feed and there's a link to a podcast and they go, I'll listen to that while I'm doing something else and you catch their attention and now they'll maybe they'll go back to your Twitter feed or to your Instagram feed or to your website and now once they start investigating you, you have the potential to create a business relationship with them. Hmm. That's how people are consuming uh, their content nowadays and so that's why businesses should be giving it to them the way they want to consume it. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I find that fascinating as far as, you know, let's say, for instance, let's say just that hypothetically an engineering firm that is, you know, they have, let's say, a list of potential clients that they're reaching out to. They might right. be sending a monthly email newsletter. They might be using other, you know, other types of content. It, it, if I'm understanding correctly, would if I understand you right, would this be something that if they wanted to, to actually create their own podcast, they could even send, you know, basically on their monthly email list or however they send marketing communications, they could be making their potential clients aware of that and Absolutely. positioning it in a certain way. Yes. And, yeah. Uh, and they could even produce content that only their people on their mailing list or only their clients get. Hmm. Uh, so, or both. You know, you could produce a, a, a nice little piece that's a, a, that's a for the general public piece, but maybe there's an engineering piece that literally is technical engineering talk. It's engineers talking to engineers. Oh, okay. Um, and it should be marketed that way. This is the engineer podcast and it's by engineers for engineers you know that the average soccer mom doesn't want to listen to two engineers talk about you know fuse circuits and and things of that nature but other engineers probably do or if um especially b2b uh, i think one of the greatest opportunities that's being missed as far as when it comes to podcast passive passive audio and some of the other options that we have that's happening in b2c a lot Hmm. b2b has a really great opportunity to be that expert influencer in an industry. So uh, if you are if you are an engineer and you make the best transistors in the world, um, you would want companies who buy transistors and put them in their other large products to look at you as the smartest, best expert, the go-to person. And so if we listen to their podcast and we think they're the best expert, we probably should buy from them. Oh, so okay. that's a B2B play on podcast and other types of audio. Um, again, delivering content in a non-sales format, yeah. but in an expertise format that you're not going to influence, you know, the 13-year-old uh, millennial skateboarding down the street uh, with a with an engineer-to-engineer podcast, but you don't need to. You right. only need to influence people who buy the type of products or services that you're invested in anyways. Oh, okay. That's the other mistake people make is they think, uh, well, my podcast won't be successful unless 100 million people are listening to it. Well, that's fine if, you know, if you're Coca-Cola, <laughs> you know, or Snickers, Nike. Sure, that's fine. Right. But, um, you know, if you're, if you're producing something B2B, if you're selling uh, transistors or smartphone parts or uh, fishing lures or something that is specific to a very small subset of the audience, you don't need 100 million people listening. In fact, I'd much rather have 50 hardcore entrepreneur VC business Types. Oh yeah, listening to my podcast than five hundred thousand regular folks who don't really care about business at all. Yeah, makes that makes so much sense. I, right, and I don't know if that's maybe our culture and that you know we, there's such a sometimes such a worship of you know larger numbers. It's almost like lar- you know more numbers is better somehow. That there's this fixation that you know on on more is better. The upswing of the internet and definitely social social media. That was the only metrics when social media became a real thing hmm. uh, with Facebook and Twitter was. How many followers do you have? 
like how many people are listening, you know, because it goes back to the old circulation numbers. Uh, how many people are turning on the TV, the Nielsen ratings for TV and radio, and how many people, how many subscribers do you have for your newspaper or your magazine? Because there's only way you could do a mathematic formula to figure out ROI on buying an ad. And that's a very old, that's the old school way of doing advertising and your ROI. Well, so yeah, if I'm going to, if I'm going to sponsor your podcast, I want 50,000 people to be tuning in every week to hear my ad at the beginning of your podcast. That's fine. Are those 50,000 people, people who are going to buy your product or service? Mm. That's the more important question because everything does have its own channel now. We have hundreds of cable channels. Everything's got its own magazine. Everything's got its own blogs, its own websites, you know. If you if you're a big fan of cat videos, you can find them on the internet. And if you're, and, but if you like other things as well, if you're if you're role playing Star Wars, mm-hmm. you can find lots of things on the internet that are made just for you. And so, if you have a podcast about role playing Star Wars, you're not going to get a sponsorship from the cat video folks, but you can get a sponsorship from a comic book store or for someone who sells costumes or even from from the you know the folks who make Star Wars. Hmm. Uh, so that's more important than anything else. Fifty to a hundred. Die hard, spend every dime I have on Star Wars paraphernalia folks are a lot more interesting to a comic book store or collectible store as a sponsorship on a podcast than the general public. Oh, yeah. Because even when they hear that sponsorship, they're not going to execute on it. So that's the key is uh, connecting what it is you do and that subject and that topic with an audience who's highly excited about that subject and topic. Yeah, and I love this concept, the idea of giving first. I guess I've heard people use that term before as yes. far as, you know, giving first, sharing some of what, you know, your expertise and what you have to offer and and realizing that that's a, a way of differentiating your, you know, your firm just, just by doing that in it's, of itself. It's a, what I said earlier, no one wants to be sold anything. So hmm. don't sell anything. Talk about what you do, why you do it, what's it, why it's important to you, how it fits in other people's lives. And if it makes a connection with someone, if someone says, oh, that makes sense to me, that would help my life. I, I, I would like that better. Um, I like what they're doing. I like to be involved with, uh, this is the kind of company I want to do business with. Hmm. When they call you up, when they go on your website, however they're going to interact with you, yeah. you're not starting cold and you're definitely not getting them over the hump or are we the right company for you. They're calling you up going, how many can I order? I mean, uh-huh. I'm ready to buy, <laughs> uh, which is the best conversation you can have on, on, the, on your side of the exchange is, Oh, we just got a call and someone's ready to go because you've marketed to them in the right way. You connected to them the right way. And that's why authenticity is such a big deal. You know, if you set all this out here and they think they know you and then they, they call and the person on the other end of the line goes, nah, it's not who we are. Well, you just ruined the whole process. Oh, wow. That's why you can't fake the funk. Yeah. You have to bring it authentically and you have to do it consistently so people understand it. But once that happens, once someone calls you up and say. Hey, I listened to the podcast. I went to your website. I looked at your social media feed. I think you guys are awesome. I like your style. I'm going to buy that thing. I'm going to buy two of them. Buy one for my friend because he'll like it too. The sale is easy. The, the execution is simple. Like, cool, give me your address. Let's ship it to you. Right? Or here are hours. Come on by and pick it up. That's, oh, yeah. That's easy. So much easier than trying to drag someone in off the street, convince them that, that this is the right thing, convince them, you know, over and over again, this is what you need to do. And now you're selling them stuff. And again, no one wants to be sold anything. You're a used car salesman at that point. Absolutely. Well, I, th- this has been really enlightening. I really appreciate you taking the time. If it's okay, I thought we would take a quick break and then actually hear a little bit about your life and your life's journey and, and kind of connect with you on a human level if we can do that. Great. Sounds good. Thank you.